We're picking up right where we left off last week as we continue our series on the armor of God. This is our third installment, well fourth really, we did an introduction and now we're on our third piece of armory this morning. Read with me in Ephesians chapter 6 starting in verse 13. It says, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So two weeks ago, we talked about the belt of truth. Last week, we talked about the breastplate of righteousness. Those things just kind of roll off the tongue a little bit. This week, it says, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. All right, it's a little bit longer. It doesn't really flow off the tongue quite as well as, as the last two weeks. But what we're really talking about here is our feet, all right? And, you know, feet are not something most of us really like to, you know, ha- you know look at and examine. They're not, you know, the, the prettiest part of the body. You know, if someone's staring at your bare feet, chances are you're going to want to get away from that person a little bit. You know, it's a little awkward. But you know, what's interesting to me is... Though feet aren't the greatest thing to look at, the second you put some new shoes on those feet, boy, you just want everybody to look at them, right? It's like you're just walking around, high-stepping everywhere, like, look, check these out. You know, because feet, our shoes are something that we uh, center almost our whole outfit around something. Not me, personally, but a lot of us do. Right? I mean, the, the shoe industry is this lucrative, billion-dollar industry. We have college athletes that go into the profession, professional sports and they sign million dollar contracts, shoe contracts, before they even make it to their first practice with their new team. I mean, shoes are a big deal. We have running shoes, you know, basketball shoes, tennis shoes, surf shoes. I mean, you don't wear sh- uh, shoes when you're surfing, but we have surf shoes, skate shoes. I mean, golf shoes. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. And that's just for like sports and recreation. And then we get into the other side of things, the fashion stuff we, for the ladies, right? High heels, pumps, flats, wedges, sandals. Listen, I got three daughters and a wife. I know these things, all right? And I know I'm missing some because the list just goes on and on and on and on. And then not only do you have the types of shoes, but you have the name brands of the shoes, right? Nike, Adidas, Reebok, Puma, I think still has shoes, Right. Go old school. Anyone remember Vision Streetwear shoes? Anybody in here? Or British Knights? Anyone remember those? No? A few of us? And I, I don't know the ladies' brand of shoes. I think there's Jimmy Choo. That's one, right? Am I wrong? That's one? Yes? That is one. Okay, thank you. I got one. There's all different styles, all different brands, and they all serve a specific purpose. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if you don't like the way they look, you ain't going to wear them. And especially if you don't like the way they feel, you're not going to wear them. They might look great on the shelf, but you put them on and you start walking around in them, going, these just don't work. Why? Because if our feet aren't comfortable, it affects everything else in our body. Let me tell you something. You go to Disney World, all right, and you can tell the veterans from the rookies by what they're wearing. You know, we'll be in the park, we'll be in two hours, you know, right, because we usually get there right when it opens. We're, We're there at the gate. Two hours in, we'll see people sitting down, rubbing their feet. I'm like, that's a rookie right there. Anyway, the right shoes, you know, we're going strong. Just rip, 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 on to the next thing. It, it kills me. It kills me that there are people that will wear, women that will wear high heels into Disney World. 
I mean, it blows my mind. And they do. I'm like, this is your first time here. You, that's crazy. But shoes mean so much to us. And they serve all these different purposes. And we wear them for certain events and certain things, right? But what we're talking about this morning is not basketball shoes. It's not tennis shoes it's, or golf shoes or high heels or pumps or anything like that. What we're talking about this morning is gospel shoes. All right, when Paul is talking to us in Ephesians and he's saying to ready our feet, to get our feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, he's talking about putting on gospel shoes. All right, and gospel shoes are what we stand on in our Christian walk. All right, it is our very foundation of everything that we do. In fact, I want to read this really quick. The, the word readiness that we read here is a word that means a prepared foundation. Okay, it is our prepared foundation. So these gospel shoes that we put on are the things that we stand on. Okay, every single day. And they're supposed to be the thing that allow our bodies to walk and move and be and, and, and go forward. But a lot of times what we're standing on is not gospel shoes. It's everything else shoes. But Paul is telling us, as we ready for battle, and as we walk this walk with Jesus, we're to put on gospel shoes and to stand on that. And ultimately what it boils down to is standing on what you believe. And I believe this morning we need to really examine our hearts and our minds and ask ourselves that question. Am I standing on what I believe? Or let me put it this way. Am I standing on what I say I believe? Okay? Am I standing on what I say that I believe, or am I standing on something else? And we all, those in here and those online, need to examine that question and be very honest with ourselves. Because as we are in the world that we are living in now, we need to make sure what we believe and then make sure that we're standing on it. Not just say we believe that and then stand on something else. Because what we stand on is what we walk in. And that is our foundation. And what Paul says here is to ready ourselves with the gospel of peace. So what we need to be standing on is the gospel. What is the gospel? Jesus. What does Jesus bring? Peace. So that is what we are called to be standing on. The gospel. Nothing else. Stand on the gospel of peace. Stand on Jesus. Stand on the word of God and what it says. In nothing else. What do you believe? What do you believe? Are you standing on it? Are you? Am I? Every single day when we turn on the news, when we talk to other people, what are we standing on? This is a lot, that, you know, another way of putting this message is, is, you know, putting your money where your mouth is. That's really what we're talking about today. Are you, are you standing on what you believe? Are you wearing your gospel shoes? When Paul is talking about these shoes, remember, he's, not, he, he's talking about putting on armor. So these shoes are armor shoes. They're not tennis shoes, right? They're not the everyday things that people wore back then. They had sandals that they wore. When they were out and about, and then when they would come into their home, they'd wear a different sort of sandal or slipper. That's not what he's talking about here. He is talking about a specific shoe that is made for battle. And so when I was looking up Roman 
shoes and what they wore, they were, they were sandals, all right? But on the, on the top of the shoe, what went over your foot were leather straps that were adjustable because they didn't have a foot locker at every mall around the corner. They would just, excuse me, they would issue these shoes and then they would adjust the leather straps accordingly so that it fit your foot because every foot is a different shape and they wanted feet to be comfortable for battle. But it wasn't so much what was on top that mattered. It was what was on the bottom. And what was on the bottom of these shoes were things called hobnails. And they were, they were hollow metal like spikes that were meant to secure your footing in rugged terrain. Okay? And so it, it's even said, uh, one of the historians, Josephus the historian, said that Alexander the Great and Julius Caesar, the, the greatest credit to their military success was not their battle strategies, not their weaponry, but it was the shoes that their soldiers wore. Because the shoes that they wore had these hobnails underneath and it allowed them to march long distances at a high speed under rough terrain. Let me tell you something. We're walking in rough terrain right now. We're walking in rough terrain. And we need to be very, very careful that we do not lose our footing during this time. And it all boils down to what we are standing on. Because if we lose our footing, we're in trouble. Because remember, we're facing an enemy here. We're facing an enemy. That's all what this whole armor of God is about. It's what Paul talks about. You know, and, and where I'm at in life, my age, I would say anywhere between 20-ish and maybe even teenager to like late 40s. It's, it's a large gap. But in that age range, when you fall down, it's kind of embarrassing, right? You lose your foot. Like we were at the zoo the other day with my family and our girls were standing over this fountain because it was super hot and they were just sticking their, their feet under in their hands and it just to cool off. But what had, what had happened around this fountain is that the ground had gotten real kind of like algae-ish. It was on tile and so it had gotten really slippery. And there was these other little kids around it and they were falling, but they're like four or five years old. You know, they, they, kids fall, you know, you just pick them up and no one thinks anything of it. But when someone older falls, people notice, Right now, if you're if you're you know a little bit older in age, you know you fall. That's a serious thing. Something you know very serious can happen from that injury-wise, and, and even more so. But at my age, you know, you fall. There, there's really two things. Like there's two-step protocol when you're when you're a young adult and you fall. All right, or you I should say when you see someone fall. The first step is you check on them. Hey, buddy, you okay? You okay? You cool? Yeah, I'm cool. I'm get, get up real quick. I'm cool. So once they're okay and you realize they're all right. The second thing that you do is you laugh at them. Ha! You fell! You're a grown-up! That's not supposed to happen to you. It's embarrassing. You know, and it's, it always happens when you fall, you lose your footing, what's the first thing you do? You look at the ground. I'm like, what did you do? You betrayed me, ground. Everyone always does that. Have you ever noticed? The second you fall and you pop back up, you look at the ground. What just happened? What did it do to cause me to fall? And we suffer this embarrassment in this moment, you know, because, you know, it's, it's adults. Why, why am I falling? I'm grown up. I can, you know, drive a car, but I can't apparently walk, you know. <laughs> when you're in battle and you lose your footing, it's not embarrassment that you're worried about. It's death because you are in hand-to-hand -hand combat with somebody else. And as soon as you fall, by the time you gather yourself to start to get back up, chances are there's a sword or a spear through you. So are you wearing your gospel shoes? Are you standing on what you believe? Because anything other than gospel shoes, I'm telling you right now, we are going to lose our footing. When you lose your footing in life, 
in this walk, it is because you are standing on something that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the other things that we begin to stand on where we lose our footing. And guess what? The enemy is there and he is ready to pounce on us. So when Paul tells us to stand on this gospel of peace, we need to take him at his word. This is a big deal. And notice what he says in these three verses that we read this morning out of Ephesians 6. Three times he tells us to do what? To stand. Stand. And when all else is done, stand. And then again, stand. Well, if we're going to stand, we better have shoes that support us and have these hobnails in the ground for the rough terrain. Otherwise, we are going to slip and we are going to fall. And we're going to be ripe for the enemy's taking. But again, I love, love what it says here about this gospel of peace. Let's, let's examine that this morning. Philippians 4, starting in verse 6, says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. In the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You notice it doesn't say here, don't be anxious about anything except 2020, because it's going to be nuts in 2020. All right, that's the one caveat. That's the one exception that's, that is being written about in Philippians here. No, it doesn't say that. It says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about 2020. But instead, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. In the peace of God, the peace that is the gospel, that accompanies the gospel, which transcends our understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds. So how do we put on these gospel shoes when the terrain is rough and we feel like we're slipping and we look around everywhere else and we start to get anxious and worry? We pray. We pray. We ready ourselves for our feet to be fitted by prayer. Over and over. And, it, you know, it says don't be anxious about anything. Look, I think for, for some of us in here, some of us watching at home, being anxious would be an improvement. <laughs> I think we would, I, I'd take just a little bit of anxiousness. I'm freaking out. I'm having a full-on meltdown. I'm ready to run through a wall. Just pack up my family and move to the hills. Anxious doesn't sound that bad, actually. Are we praying? Are we matching, not just matching, but going above and beyond what we're saying to, with people, what we're talking about? Are we matching our anxieties that we have, our stress? Are we stopping in that moment? And are we praying and saying, no, God. I stand with my gospel shoes on what I believe. And I'm going to speak that out. And I'm going to pray that out. I'm not just going to say I believe it, but I'm going to believe it. And I'm going to stand with my gospel shoes and I'm not going to slip and fall. Though the terrain may be rough, I'm going to move forward because what allows me to stand is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you're for me and that you're not against me, that you're never going to leave me or forsake me, that you died for me. That is what I'm standing on. And that begins with prayer. That is where we dress our feet with these gospel shoes in prayer every single time. 
Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 27, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I love what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, he's saying I'm giving you my peace, not your peace. I'm giving you my peace. And then he makes this interesting uh, statement. I do not give to you as the world gives. Pretty interesting, right? He's saying, I give you my peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled. But in the middle of that, right in the middle of that, he says, I don't give to you like the world gives. I love that. He makes that clear distinction. I'm giving you peace, and it's not how the world gives. And I think there's two parts to that, at least that I got out of it. One is it's an unconditional gift. It is, it is an overflowing, everyday gift of peace. The world gives by what we do, right? If you do this, that, and the other, I will then give you this, that, and the other. That's how the world gives. It's all based on merit and doing and this and that. Jesus says, I'm giving it to you. Just, just stand under the waterfall of my peace and it will flow down on you. And it's not about what you do. It's not about all your surroundings. It's about what I've done for you. So I think that's the first part of it when it comes to Jesus' peace. It is overflowing every single day, all day long. And it's nothing that we, we can do to earn it. And the second part of this is this peace that he's talking about. He makes the distinction, my peace. And I'm giving it to you in a way that the world cannot give to you. Because the world will sell you peace. The world will try and tell you, this is how you get peace. If you do X, Y, and Z. And maybe you try. And you know what? Maybe you have peace for a little while. And then those things expire, get older, start to smell bad, or don't fit as well as they used to, or this or that or whatever. And suddenly... That peace that you got from the world is now gone, and you need more. And it comes in all shapes and sizes, and all of it is temporary. All of it is a Band-Aid. Jesus says, I'm giving you my peace, and I don't give the way the world gives. It is not temporary. It is not based on this moment or this feeling. It is my peace that I give to you. So do not be afraid. As you're, you know, there's a big difference between going into battle and going into battle confident. There's a big difference. And Jesus is saying, as you put on these gospel shoes and you go and you fight the enemy, do not be afraid. Now, if you watch sports, but it's always interesting, the, the greatest athletes, the, one, the, the guys on the top tier, are the ones in the crucial moments that aren't panicked at all. You know, they're the, they talk about like Tom Brady and all these other great quarterbacks in the huddle and on the Super Bowl in that last drive. Like, what were they like in the huddle? They were cool. They were calm. Why? Because they weren't just in battle. They were confident in battle. They knew what they were going to do. And we need to be the same way. We need to be the same way. To take Jesus' peace Stand under that waterfall of his peace and then don't be afraid. Why? Because we're standing on what we believe and what we know is true, not on anything else. But are you standing on it? Are you really? Are you wearing your gospel shoes? Are you putting on other things that necessarily might not fit? All right, Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts 
Since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. I'm going to read that whole thing again. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. I love that. And if we go back to what we were reading in Philippians 4, it says, you know, with prayer and uh, petition, with thanksgiving. So we have two places here that we've read this morning where it's talking about peace, but then there's also this mention of thanksgiving, right? In Colossians, it says right at the very end, and be thankful, right? You were called to peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You were called to peace, oh, and, and be thankful, Kind of interesting there, right? Interesting little three-word sentence at the end of that for peace to rule in our hearts. Listen, I love y'all. If you're watching at home, I love you too. But there are a lot of us that have got to stop with the negative talking. We've got to stop it. And it's, it's amazing. It, it, it grieves me. When I see people do this, God answers a prayer in your life, moves on your behalf. And rather than saying, God, thank you. The next moment, I mean, the very next moment, it's, yeah, well, this is going on and this is bad and blah, blah, blah. I mean, come on. Can we just acknowledge for a second that God answered one of our prayers and he's moving on our behalf? There is nothing will strip us of our gospel shoes and walking in peace like a negative attitude. That's why it says in these moments with prayer and petition to guard your hearts with peace. Be thankful. Be thankful. Listen, you cannot be. You cannot talk negatively and have negative thinking and negative verbiage while standing on the gospel of peace. You can't do it. Why? Because by its very definition, by its very definition, the gospel means good news. All right? That's what the gospel is. It is good news. And if all we're doing is talking negatively and thinking negatively and this and that, that is a very clear indication that we are not standing on the gospel of peace. Because the gospel of peace is good news. The gospel of peace says, I am for you. Yeah, but I got to do that. No, 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 stop. Yeah, I know Jesus loves me, but also this, no, stop. Stop with the negative talk. It is disrupting in your walk and it's disruptive for the body. And you know what else? It's disruptive to those that don't know Jesus. Almost more than anything else. You have your, you know, you have your negative things you want to talk about. Keep it to yourself because there are people that are listening to you and watching you, and that's what they're hearing. And you say, well, you should come to church. Why? All that comes out of your mouth is negativity. Why would I want to engage in that? Stand on the gospel and stop with the negative talking. It is going to strip you of your peace. And you wonder why you're stressing out every day. What are you standing on? Are you standing on what you believe or not? Okay, that's my rant. Mm. <laughs> uh, the word uh, in Hebrew for peace is shalom. And we mistake 
peace a lot with the absence of chaos, but really peace is most on display in the midst of chaos. And we like to think peace is when all that is gone and the dust is settled and there's no more trouble in the world and every day is Christmas morning. And that is peace. No. Peace is on its greatest display when the world is at its craziest and we can stand firm in it because we have on our gospel shoes and we're not moving no matter how rough and how slippery the terrain might be. That, that is peace. And so when we talk about this shalom, this Hebrew word for peace, I want to look at a story in the Old Testament that I think displays peace in a very awesome way. And I actually think our student ministry director, Jason Trent, shared the same story on Wednesday at Salt. There's a little plug, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. I love this story. It gets me fired up every time I read it. And it's out of 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's the story of David going to fight Goliath. And it starts like this, though. There's a preface to this story. And it's in verse 32 where David said to Saul, King Saul, he says, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. In other words, let no one lose their peace. Don't be anxious. Don't lose heart. Your servant will go and fight him. Verse 33, Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. Oh my, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Now, there's, there's so much in just this little bit, but what we notice first is David is not wearing David's shoes, all right? His hope is not in David. He says, the Lord rescued me, and the Lord will rescue us today because this giant is defying the Lord. He's, he's standing on his gospel shoes. But what he also does here is he goes back, and he's not thinking negatively, He's looking back at how God has worked on his behalf before. And I want to read this again because I, I read this kind of and saw it for the first time. I've read this story so many times. And I, again, this jumped out after me. It says, your servant has been keeping, in verse 34, his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. So I'm thinking every time I read this story, how I envision it in my mind is a lion or a bear came into like the camp, right? And there was all these sheep and David kind of fought him off, right? And he, and, and he, was, he was saved. But that's not what the story says. The story says that the bear and the lion came in, took a sheep and went off. Now, if I'm David, if it's James in this story, I get home at the end of the day, how was your day? Well, you know, we had a, we had a lion come in Man, it took a sheep. But you know, we got all our other sheep and I'm alive. So overall, pretty good day. You know, I'm not dead. I'm lived, lived to tell another day. You know, David didn't do that. 
It says that he went after, he hunted the hunter. He went after the enemy. It's like that old, you know, I'm going old school here for a second. The song we used to sing, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. And that's what David did here. Why? Why would David do that? He's got all these other sheep and he's alive and he's going to risk his life for this one sheep and bring it back. One, because that's the story of Jesus. That's what he does for us. The enemy tries to steal us and Jesus says, no, 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 not on my watch. I'm going after you and I'm bringing him back to my flock. But also David knew something in that moment that if we allow the enemy to come into our flock and take something that is ours and then just go, you know what's going to happen? They're going to come back and they're going to come back and they're going to come back. So what do we do? We put on our gospel shoes and we go to the fight and we take back what he's stolen from us. But we have to do that with gospel shoes. We have to do that with the promises of God. We cannot do it on our own. And that's what David did. He went to the enemy and said, give me that back. And he wrestled this lion and this bear's crazy. Every time I go to the zoo, I'm like, David, you're the man. That lion, I'm behind a, a separator and that lion's asleep and it's still scary. He went after it. He went after the enemy because David stood on what he believed. Always, not just on the good days, but on the bad days too. And he said, my God is able. And I'm going to stand on that. Are we standing on what we believe? Are you putting your money where your mouth is right now in this world that we live in? The story continues in verse 40. Talking about David, it says, Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was a little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. Makes you think Goliath might have been a little ugly. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his lowercase g, gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give you your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. <laughs> This very day I will give you the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. David's talking some crap here, y'all. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those who gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, I love this part, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took the hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the uh, sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. Come on with it. 
David ran to the battle line with his gospel shoes. Without a sword in his hand, he killed this giant. Listen, we don't need all this stuff that we think we need. We need Jesus. We need to, be, we need to walk in what we believe. Because listen, we can say it all day long, but it's our feet that carry us there. And our feet can only take us so far. Eventually your feet get tired. What happens when your feet get tired? You sit down. But with the gospel under our feet, our feet don't get sore. If we keep praying and we keep pressing in and we keep speaking out the things that the word of God says and we go, we go into battle with a thankful heart, we stop with the negativity, we're ready. We're ready. And we're going to close out our service doing that this morning. If we could have the band come back up. You know, a lot of this is about going into battle and, and all this stuff, and, and that's, that's important. But there's, a, there's the most important verse that we haven't read yet about our feet and readying ourselves with the gospel of peace. And it's out of Isaiah 52. It says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace who bring good tidings, good news, not negativity, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. How do we really fight? We worship. We tell people about Jesus. We proclaim our God reigns. That is, that is the gospel. That is our gospel shoes. Yes, we got to stand. But how we really do it is we start telling people about Jesus. We start, we start putting that name into all the conversations that we have. And let me tell you something. If you haven't yet, start because this world is starving for Jesus. And it's not necessarily about having to quote this verse or that verse or this story or that story. In the midst of it, when you feel yourself slipping, and you're losing hope, you shout, my God reigns. So we sang about it this morning. Our God reigns. He is in control. That is what I say. That is what I believe. And that is what I stand on. It doesn't matter about the circumstances around me. I'll be anxious for nothing, no matter what. I'm going to pray about it. And I'm going to exclaim with everything that I have that my God reigns. That's what I say, that's what I believe, that's what I stand on. And all of a sudden, that grip that, was, that our feet were losing, we now have traction again. And we're not slipping and falling. The enemy's slipping and falling. And we take the fight to him. And he's vulnerable now, not us, because our God reigns. So let's stand to our feet this morning. Let's put on our gospel shoes. And let's believe what we say we believe. I want to pray for us this morning, then we're going to worship. I believe there's some of us that have been slipping and falling. And you've had a hard time, hard time believing what you say you believe. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Because all we're doing is looking at this, that, and the other, and we've forgotten to look at our feet and what we're actually standing on.
And it's time to put on our gospel shoes and stand on the word of God. He reigns. He reigns. Father, thank you, Jesus, for the gospel of peace, God. You're not a God of confusion or anxiety or stress. You're a God of peace. And you have told us, Lord, that you've given it to us. Your peace, and you're not a liar. So God, as we stand in the midst of chaos, though it might surround us, it is, it is not attacking us. Because we stand on the gospel of peace. We stand on the truth, on the good news of Jesus Christ, that you are for us, that you didn't just die for us and were raised again for us just to leave us, but you're with us always, God. Father, for those this morning that have not received this gift that you've given us of your son in this peace, they live every day hearing about you, but every single morning is a new challenge. God, I pray that right now for those that are listening, those are watching, those are in this room, that they would receive you right now in that peace that you freely give us. That they would just take this moment and say, I believe, I receive this gift. God, remind us every day to put on our shoes, to put on our gospel shoes, Lord, and to stand in what we believe and to shout in the midst of chaos, my God reigns to not be afraid of the enemy, how great he might look, but that we would know that the Lord is with us. And if there's a fight in front of us with the enemy, we'll go to the fight. But we'll go declaring your name, not our own. We'll go declaring your ability and your victory, not our own. We'll go declaring that you reign, not that we reign, but you reign in our hearts. Help us, Jesus, to stand, Father, on what we say we believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.